Welcome to the B-Ball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, joined by Tim. And uh, Tim, super excited about the show today. We are breaking down the top tier of 3 and D players this year in 2022. And uh, I have to say, my favorite thing is talking about basketball. So I'm super excited to get into this podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to talk about basketball and stop building four and five team Laker trades on Fanspo um, <laughs> to move Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, talking about anything else is, is good, uh, especially basketball and Talking about 3 and D players makes me a little sad because these are the players the Lakers no ha- no longer have. So um, if we were doing a 3 or D podcast, I, I think, you know, we talk more Lakers stuff. But uh, I'm excited to talk about these players that, you know, they've become so coveted. People talk about them so much, yet I don't really know if everybody agrees on, like, what exactly that means. And I don't even know if we agree exactly on what that means, but <laughs> we've given it our best shot, and I'm excited to see how this list looks. That's where we got to release the behind the scenes of us uh, talking before the show, uh, arguing, yelling, screaming at each other. Uh, but uh, no, so uh, like you said, 3 and D players is a term that's become super popular in the last few years. And uh, I feel like a criteria, while this, you know, this criteria doesn't need to be perfect, I feel like this is a really good starting point. And uh, I feel like we'll move from there, maybe tweak it, you know, as we need down the line. But uh, sometimes people will be talking and it'll be a player. They'll be comparing someone that plays you know, like 20 minutes a night versus someone that plays like 33 minutes a night and is averaging like 20 points a game where I'm like, wait, hold on. So we got to like we got to we got to figure out what we're doing here role wise, because at Basketball Index, you know, we've done a lot of work with this, Tim. You have the offensive roles, you have the defensive roles where you're, you, know, you have your wing stoppers, you have your stationary shooters where we're trying to, you know, paint the picture, uh, you know, bring it into focus. So it's a little more clear. But yeah, let's get into the criteria of what made this top tier of three and D players this year in 2022. So the criteria is we didn't look at anchor or mobile bigs, right? We're looking more at players on the perimeter. And it's pretty simple after that. You have to have a B grade or lower in total offensive load, which means you're not in the 20% of the league in usage and playmaking, things like that. Uh, That stat tries to capture how much of the offensive burden you're shouldering. So you need to be a B or lower in that. So we're not having the high usage, guys. And then you need to have an A in the two following categories, which is catch and shoot three-point shot making which is a stat that just kind of measures how you performed over or under your three-point shot quality and D LeBron, which is your total defensive impact. So again, you need to not have a huge total offensive load. You need to shoot well on catch and shoot threes for whatever your shot quality is, and you need to be a high impact defender. So Tim, does that feel like a fair kind of clear and concise criteria for what makes a three and D player? I'd say so. I, I think we can maybe we even expand it and look at the roles we have and just cross out any of the on ball ones. So like primary ball handler, secondary ball handler, shot creators or slashers, and I guess versatile bigs or post scores. But I, I think I just, you know, plug that in on my end in the leaderboard tool. I think I ended up with the same exact list that you got to based on the criteria you listed. So we're essentially looking for those guys that are good shooting threes they're good defensively and they're in roles you were able to proxy that by looking at total offensive role they're guys that are spending a bit more time off ball they're the like connector pieces around your stars that help your team succeed rather than being like just a shooting specialist or being a heavy on ball guy or being maybe a great defender that can't shoot like 
those two skills, it's it's more than just doing those two skills because if we just included that, you could have guys like maybe Paul George or others we'll mention later. And I think you can make the argument they belong in here as well. But when I think about 3 and D, I think of the guys that I'm building to, you know, around my stars. They're not those central pieces. So in that way, it's more about like the catch and shoot three-point shooting. It's not about the self-created three-point shooting. And they're playing more secondary or ancillary roles offensively and just are those guys that you just plug and play. You wouldn't want to build a lineup of five of them. Uh, it'd be a pretty good defensive group probably, but offensively you wouldn't have enough of the, you wouldn't have those offensive engines that really get things going. But when we start listing these names off, I think uh, even if I can't quite put my finger on it, we're able to kind of get a sense of what that guy is. We're really, you know, capturing the essence of that three and D with these criteria. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, it actually, it, it came out as a, a nice round number. It was 10 players that qualified and uh, not really, an, I'm, we're not going to rank them or anything, but just, I'm going to run through the list really quick. And, and kind of like you said, like uh, there, there could be some players, you know, you're like, Hey, why is this person is, or is there on the list? And I think this for me is the tier one guys. This is the people that like really popped in the analytics and uh, yeah, we'll just get into the list. So, uh, PJ Tucker with Miami, Danny Green in Philly, Nick Batum on the Clippers, Robert Covington got traded to the Clippers from Portland last year, Jay Crowder on Phoenix, Royce O'Neal on Utah, Mikael Bridges, Phoenix, Lonzo Ball, Chicago, Devin Vassell on the Spurs, and rounding it out, Andrew Wiggins on the Warriors. So just right off the bat, is there any name that kind of surprised you or just initial reactions to the list? Well, it stands out that like Lonzo Ball's a guard, but he is one that spends a bit more of his time off ball. So so that's interesting to me. Andrew Wiggins, I would imagine, is probably on the high end of the like usage uh, cutoff for us. So those are guys that I can see maybe next year, maybe last year, not quite making this list. But like Robert Covington, Danny Green, <laughs> like Royce O'Neal, Jay Crowder. The Nick Batum, these are those dudes. PJ Tucker, like this looks right. This this passes the eye test to me. And it's interesting to see Devin Vassell as someone that I haven't watched as much of. I would imagine many of our listeners haven't either. The Spurs barely got any national television games this year. So he's, you know, just like DeJounte Murray in other ways, somebody that people might, might not be as up to speed on just because he's not been in front of us. So it's cool to know he fits within this group. It's a, a pretty neat group for him to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Devin Vassell is one of those guys where it's like, I've never seen him play. I, I, you could give me a lineup of 10 guys. I probably couldn't pick who he is. He's 21. He's on the Spurs. But this is the type of thing that I kind of think of as getting out in front of things. So like I do a lot of research here at BBI. I mean, we all do. And there's things like this where you're like, OK, this popped. And I remember when we were making the uh, BBI, we had the BBI all, all defensive teams, and then we also had the BBI defensive teams by role. And he was on that uh, as a chaser, which kind of popped where it was like, okay, this is a guy I haven't heard of. But anytime there's anyone popping in the metrics that much, where it's like, okay, when the Spurs, you know, continue their rebuild 
or there's, you know, a time maybe we're trading more pieces. This is a guy where, you know, we're both Laker fans where it's like, all right, you know, you know, maybe in the future, this guy comes available or you see him, you know, toss it in a trade where he doesn't have the name recognition. I think this is a, a place where analysts can be like, yeah, but this guy, <laughs> this guy was playing some defense <laughs> and he was hitting threes like this is the players you want to build around. And I, I feel like little stuff like that can get you out in front and kind of give you the edge, whether, you know, it's fantasy, just looking smart in front of your friends, whatever it may be. These are the things I'm interested in, if you can't tell. Uh, but then some other things that kind of popped on the list for me, Robert Covington, we talk about him all the time. It's not really a, there's a couple players or it's like, if it's a BBI podcast, Bobby Portis is getting talked about Robert Covington and DeAnthony Melton. Like those three names are going to come up at some point. You can't make it a drinking game cause you die. Um, <laughs> and then just a few other things that kind of popped out to me on the list that I wanted to talk about was how old everyone on the list is like five of these 10 players are over the age of 30. And I think when you think about defense, it's kind of a young man's game and uh, PJ Tucker, 36, Danny green, 34, Nick Batum, 33. Felt like we were talking about this before the podcast. Nick Batum has been in the league like longer than Tom Brady has been playing quarterback and he's 33 somehow. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, these are the things that kind of instantly jumped out to me. I, I don't think no, nobody checked that Brady fact. That, that's, that's definitely right. There's no need to look that up. There's no way for us to even see that answer. So, you know, it must be right. Um, yeah, that's an interesting call out. And I, I mean, it, it makes sense. Now, as like a chaser, Vassell, he's, you know, fairly young, 21. That makes sense. He's, he's got to run around a lot more. But guys like Green, Batum, uh O'Neal, they're all in wing stopper roles. And I can see them. And, and then like Covington is in a helper role. He's been a wing stopper in previous years. Tucker's a wing stopper. They're all guys that are spending a lot of time off ball, rotating a little here and there. And then, you know, when they've got to stay in front of a scoring wing, they they do it. And so there's defensively, they're able to really exert their uh time and energy, not time, but their energy defensively. They're, I would, I would say as older players, their energy bar is probably a little bit smaller than other guys in the NBA, but because their offensive roles are limited in the way that they are in, in when we look at them, Green's a stationary shooter, Batum's a stationary shooter, Covington's a stationary shooter, Crowder's a stationary shooter, O'Neal's a stationary shooter, Bridges is a stationary shooter, Lonzo's a stationary shooter, Vassell movement shooter, uh, Wiggins a shot creator. So I think we can, you can make the argument he shouldn't be on here because that's more of an on-ball role. And then P.J. Tucker, stretch big. A lot of those roles are, you know, offensively, you run to your spot, you're going to catch and either shoot or swing the ball or maybe attack a closeout. But on both ends of the court, you're not doing a whole lot of, like, sprinting around. And, you know, in that way, I understand how older players in this kind of role can continue to succeed later into their careers even for guys like Nick Batum, who like he certainly did more as a player earlier in his career. And, and, you know, some of these, some of these other guys did as well, but this is a way that if you have that three and you have that D you can age more gracefully into one of these like off ball wing kind of roles. And, and I'm, you know, it might be interesting on another podcast to look at guys who are more of those on ball players that 
maybe as their game ages and they need to be off ball a bit more like who are those wing stopper or who are those like wing stopper stationary shooters of the future that, you know, as they age, they'll continue maintaining a degree of usefulness just in a different kind of role. But I, I don't know to sum it up. I'm seeing a lot of guys that don't do a whole lot offensively and that allows them to really focus on defense. Yeah. And then if you just break down the top 10 by role on defense, we have four point of attack defenders, four wing stoppers, one helper, which is Covington and one chaser, which is Vassell. And uh, that, you know, that's another thing where it kind of paints a picture of like, okay, these guys are making, you know, big defensive impact, but you're seeing like, okay, th- this is where they're being utilized on defense. Um, a couple other things I went through the data, kind of looked at these guys' careers. These have been, you know, some of the better role players over the last, you know, five plus years. Uh, Crowder and Batum haven't shot, uh, or sorry, Crowder and Batum haven't consistently been as strong as defenders as the rest of the group. And then throughout the careers of Tucker and Crowder, they haven't shot as well as the rest of the group. So just kind of looking back at that. Uh, and then before we move on, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Because uh, we had a, a kind of a, a second half to this episode. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that using the catch and shoot shot making, three point shot making is a big piece of this because you can find guys who put up, they're good defenders and then they put up high three point percentages, but it's because they're just underperforming on really high shot quality. Those are those are guys that aren't quite as plug and play because if they're not in the right offensive environment, their percentage falls off a cliff. These guys are ones that are overperforming that shot quality. And in that way, there's more uh, resiliency environment to environment with them. So I think that's an important piece of this is looking at the portability of players moving from one team to another. Uh, like I'd be more interested in a Danny Green than I would be in another player who has the same three-point percentage as Green and plays good defense, but like I can't trust to keep shooting that well if I bring him to my team. So that's that's another key piece of this. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'm glad you you said that because you think of I just think of a lot of players that have played with guys like LeBron, where like like Alex Caruso comes to mind. He is a fantastic defender. He definitely is the the D piece, but he's just he's not a great three point shooter. And I want to say last year. He might have shot like 39, 40% from three on pretty low volume, but it's that thing of like the shot quality was absolutely through the roof. And then he goes to, you know, the bowls where it's not I mean, coming from LeBron. And then you, you see the three point uh, percentage, obviously take a dive. Um, another thing I complain, I complain about this day to day. I would say just that the, the three and D moniker, everyone wants to place it on players so badly that if you're good at one of the two things, there's like an assumption sort of like, um, like I watched the chargers a lot, you know, living in San Diego growing up, Antonio Gates, a phenomenal pass catching tight end, not the greatest blocker in the world, not super interested in doing it. Just honestly, not that talented at it. And everyone will be like, well, he's a complete player. And it's the thing of like, I worked in sports radio. We would just, we would just say it over and over again. And then I, I started working at a football company that did analytics. And it was like, well, no, <laughs> this just isn't the case. And I feel like with a lot of like things that can sometimes be invisible or, or something you're not totally paying attention to, like you'll just do one of the two things and we'll be like, all right, three and D player for the next five years. Forget about it. Like lick the envelope, put it in the mailbox like that. Is, the reputation is set. And uh, that that's one of the things I like so much about BBI is like we're constantly challenging reputation and uh, I think in a good way. And like, I think honestly it really needs to be done. 
Yeah, it's it, getting that context, looking at the game, and not just in the things that might be most important or might be most notable, but identifying things like, you know, how good is someone as a help defender? How good are they as a chaser? Things that, you know, you can easily just look at basketball as like, you know, pick and roll scoring, ISO basketball, on-ball defense, and miss a lot of the other elements, but being able to you know, look at those pieces that are in the box score and say, okay, instead of using assists, you can look at our playmaking talent metric. Or instead of looking at rebound volume, you can look at our, uh, you know, rebounding talent grades. Things like that allow you to take that step up and capture that better context and, and account for those contextual things. Um, and then we also are able to evaluate players in ways that maybe aren't the most notable when you're watching a game because it's happening more in the background like that, you know, pass protection uh, for a running back in football. It's not what goes on the highlight reel, but it matters. And so being able to account for that and have that be part of our holistic evaluation of a player is really important because otherwise, you know, we can try to model our talent grades against D LeBron and say, huh, well, we have defensive rebounding and we have on ball defense and it seems like there's another big piece missing, but we don't know what it is. Like there's more to defense than just those things that your eyes tend to look at most. Um, so I think that's super important. And every day I'm like just digging into the data because there's so much or seeing people using our data and doing their own content creation. And I'm learning things that I haven't seen because I dig into the Lakers stuff all the time, but there are 29 other teams out there. So it's interesting learning more and more about players with with that good data. And just for the record, I have an Antonio Gates Pro Bowl jersey at my house, so don't send me any hate. I'm a big, big fan. Just nice. we just got to be we got to be honest about what's going on. Um, two things, uh, two players we add uh, if we open up to uh, mobile and anchor bigs: Mo Bamba from Orlando and Bobby Portis from Milwaukee. Like ding, ding, ding! I need a sound effect. Bobby Portis in the podcast. Um, those are two players that uh, I think are effective offensive uh, pieces. Because, you know, anytime you have a larger player that can stretch the floor. Um, I, what, Tim, what do you say? Like, what do you think the the peak of that was? I don't know. Maybe like 2015, 2016. I think of uh, who was the guy on the Rockets? He was like one of the first ones. Uh, Anderson, something Anderson was like, there was kind of like it was like a stretch big revolution kind of it started. And people were just like stretch bigs. I got to get these guys. Uh for like 2K too, especially when you're playing 2K, it was like, I need to have a big that can shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's become more and more a part of the game. We're seeing more players fit into this role, more players at youth levels being able to shoot as big men. And even some of those guys at the NBA level who weren't shooters add shooting to their game. And, you know, it, it matters because with those, you know, it, it's good to have shooting in general. But if you can have a shooting center rather than just a shooting point guard, you're pulling away a different kind of defender from the rim. If I can keep Rudy Gobert stuck in the corner guarding a great three-point shooter, it's going to make the, well, I guess now the Minnesota defense much worse than if he's able to hang out around the rim and he only has to move two feet to make a rotation instead of 20 feet to make a rotation. So that kind of value, not because like their three-point percentage is worth any more than another player's three-point percentage, but how they manipulate the defense is is really important. So I, I don't know. I, I like that we're slowly opening this up to more and more players, but Bamba and Portis seem to fit right into this 
this team. Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson was the name I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, Ryan. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. What what year did he really start doing that? Because he's a that's a really good call out. Uh, we're both just frantically googling. Uh, what does this look like? Oh, it was earlier than I thought. He's taken five threes a game in 2011, hitting 39 percent of them. That's pretty good. Scoring double digit points. His yeah. peak, he scored 19.8 game or 19.8 points a game. And that's crazy, mm-hmm. man. Just giving unathletic guys like me hope. Um, <laughs> all right. So if we open this up, because let's take the usage uh, filter off it. Let's look at uh, high usage players that fit this super high end defense, super high end shot making. There's eight more in total. Uh, Jason Tatum from Boston and Bead. Uh, Joker, Van Fleet, DeAnthony Melton, ding, 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 brought him up on the podcast. You got to find a way to work him in. Best friends with his agent. Not really. Uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, and Kyle Lowry. Uh, what do you uh, What are your thoughts on, on this list of the higher usage players, Tim? I think that Melton should uh, – maybe we need to tweak how we do this because he's a movement shooter offensively. So he – I think I'd almost swap him in and swap Wiggins as a shot creator out. And I think I might almost like that list a little bit better. I think we might need to start doing this by role. The more I'm more I'm looking at this, I like that. So that's interesting. But then we've got guys like, you know, Tatum, Embiid, Jokic, uh, Van Vliet. Like these are players that just they, – they're good in those areas, but they just do so much more. So that's, you know, maybe as Jason Tatum ages – you know, it seems like he's uh, to Boston fans. He's always been 19 or whatever <laughs> it is. They keep saying on Twitter, he's 24 now in, in you know, eight years. Is he going to be one of these guys on the list as a good defender and a good shooter? I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting group. Jeremy Grant's a guy who in a shot creator role, I think that's a bit above his head. So I'd love to see him scale back a little bit in terms of his offensive load. And I think he better slots into one of these three and D kinds of positions. He'd be more of a three and D plus. I think um, Valanciunas is an interesting one. Cause I, he makes me wonder if we should throw a minimum on like the three pointers made per 75 possessions or something. Cause he's someone that at least from watching, I would have thought like maybe his con- conversion's good, but he's not really all that willing of a three point shooter. So the gravity isn't there as much. So I may, I, maybe we need to publish our uh, adjusted criteria after we give this some more deep thought in a, in a couple of days. But it's an interesting group. Kyle Lowry makes a lot of sense. Van Vliet, I think, was he's always been one of those like 3 and D guys, and he's just added to his game. Um, and I'm surprised to not see Paul George on here because he's someone that used to be within this group. And actually, you know what? He's He had a very injured season. But if we open this up, to all of the seasons in our database, we've got Paul George in 2013-2014 had an A-plus in both the defense and the catch-and-shoot three-point shot making. Um, Robert Covington, 2017-2018, A-plus in both. Kawhi in 2015-2016, A-plus in both. Uh, shot creator Wingstopper is a hell of a combo. <laughs> um, and then Lonzo, this most recent season, A-plus in both. So if we were to try to tier guys and rank guys, I'd say – over the course of our about decade long database, those four have been some of the top tier three and D players. And then if we apply the the offensive load filter again, 
Robert Covington from, from a couple of years ago and then Lonzo from this year are like the two guys that that stay strong. Yeah, I think the Melton uh, swap with Wiggins is a good call. When I was making the list, Wiggins, he just barely made it onto that original top 10. His uh, his true usage was almost too high. And then Melton was someone that just he it was a little bit too high and he couldn't quite make the list. But I think like when you look at mm-hmm. it, that swap makes more sense when you apply a little bit of the, the yeah. human element to it. And I just pulled it up. Valanchunas's three pointers made per seventy five possessions. His grade there is a D plus. So maybe we throw like a C or higher uh, filter on that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Just to make sure that, like, you know, it, it's one thing to make your threes. It's another thing to make your threes on high enough volume that it really, you know, demands that defense respect that three point shooting. So that's something that. Maybe I need to take a look at our three-point shot making or catch and shoot three-point shot making grade and make sure that's accounted for well. Because uh, you know, and not not your fault to use that that we want that accounted for already, but maybe maybe we need a tweak there because he's not a quite a high volume shooter. Yeah, and before we get out of here, I'm gonna run through the rest of my notes because I took the time to write them. Uh, Lonzo Ball was the only player with an A playmaking grade of anyone that made that top ten list. Uh, I think we already said uh, Vassell was the only chaser of the group. Uh, after that, I just wanted to comment really quickly. I think DeAnthony Melton get, getting traded to the Sixers uh, this offseason is going to be the under-the-radar move of the summer. Rack me, any Jim Rome listeners out there. Uh, Jeremy Grant, the Blazers have desperately needed defenders around Dame, and they did a really good job. They got him, and they got GP2. I think that's really going to help the team out. And then... Uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all I got, Tim. Anything uh, you got? Anything left in the tank? Just want to shout out the uh, Robert Covington as the winner of our three and D award. Each of the two seasons we've done that at B Ball Index. So shout out to him. We've done, like you mentioned, the the all you know first, second, third team all defense, or maybe just first and second. I think all three, and then we would do all defensive role. Covington second team all defense this most recent season, and then our top three and D player each of the past two seasons. And as, as we just learned, looking back to that 2017, 28 season, 2018 season, he was at an even higher level within that. So he has been like the guy when it comes to three and D players over the seasons. And I, I'm excited to see if that continues with the Clippers. Cause they have, you mentioned Melton moving over to Philly. They have a couple of these guys. The Clippers will have is, is Batum still with them? Batum and then Covington, um, they're they're putting some good players around, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, who in their own ways, if they're healthy, probably make this list. So they are a deep monster of a like wing filled three and D kind of team, which is a really, really interesting way to construct. Yeah, I think the Clippers are like legit 11 deep on like above average starters, which is pretty crazy. Um, Covington, for those listening, the only reason he's only won the award twice is because it's only existed for two years. <laughs> that's the only reason it doesn't go back <laughs> way further. Uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up. That is our uh, top 10 3 and D players of the 2022 season. Tim, thanks for joining me. I always get your Twitter wrong. Is it Tim underscore NBA? It All is. right. Follow yep. Tim for real uh, basketball analysis. Uh, follow me if you want to complain about the show. And we'll see you on the next episode of the B-Ball Index podcast.